Welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering Podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we discuss principles for discipling your children. Well, hey guys, as we move into the equipping time, we're going to be talking about today about communicating with your child. Um, And this is honestly, as a middle school pastor, like one of the most asked questions I get from parents, because they're like, how do I respond when my kid just goes, bruh, all the time? (laughs) Or how, what do we say when we get a text that says, that just hits different, no cap, straight flames, bet. Like, how do you even respond to that? I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, Communication's hard, right? Whether you have a four-year-old or a 45-year-old in the workplace, it's difficult. And learning to communicate with your children is the cornerstone really of effective parenting. Children have a desire to be heard and understood just as much as us as adults do. You know, one thing I've learned over the years of working with students, but also just being married, um, is that connection always precedes communication. That connection always precedes effective communication. And I love how there's an author named Brene Brown. She defines connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive substance and strength from their relationship. That connection always precedes communication. And it's a crazy thought. It took me a while to get this and to really grasp this understanding. But if you really think about it, it really does make sense because you could pull up on Google right now and type in how to communicate with my child and and get bullet points on how to improve your communication with your kiddo. But the way we communicate as a result is hardly surface. Like, so this fall, Shelby has gotten really into baking. Shelby's my wife. Like our house smells like pumpkin spice pretty much from like September to November. It was great the first couple of weeks and now I'm just like ready for like Christmas gingerbreads or something different. Um, But Think of it like baking like a cake, but only having the instructions that begin. It's like, hey, mix the batter on low until it's creamy, then pour into a nine inch round pan and place it in the oven for 35 minutes. First off, like what ingredients go into that and how much, like what temperature is the oven? Do you need to baste the pan with like butter or use wax paper? I need all of that information first or I'm about to bake a disaster that I didn't intend on making, right? And because that, to me at least, makes sense, it got me really, got me thinking more clearly that in relationship, connection defines how well you communicate, but instead we often communicate as a way, way to feel connected. And the problem is we're constantly drilled with techniques, uh, communication techniques that are meant to help better understand and send the right message to your kid, but just knowing those techniques is kind of like pushing the power button on the TV, but the cord in the back isn't plugged in. So it'd be, I think, fair to say that most you know, distressed parents who are having difficulty communicating with their ki- children are also likely, y'all are experiencing disconnection. That's because communication isn't strictly based on wordage, but it's also an emotional state. And if you're finding difficulty communicating with your kids or, the sp- or even your spouse, you may need to first focus on connection. You know, Because if not, communication can often feel like manipulative so while that may be like far from your intentions with your kids, 
the emotional state can certainly make it seem that way. That the goal of communication as a result of connection is being able to understand each other, right? Um, and so, because disconnection, what it causes y'all is feelings of insecurity, loneliness, and a lot of times, you probably experience with your, this with your kiddos, results in stonewalling, which is really where one person refuses to communicate and kind of just withdraws from the entire conversation. And that creates distance in your relationship, simply because they don't feel understood or heard. And disconnection, it really changes the way, we, in, the way in which we communicate, in which communication's given and received. So it's important to take note, especially with your kiddos, if you're noticing like an extended period with like a spike in conflict or disagreement um, or long drawn out heated arguments that last more than just like a day, but like multiple days and weeks and months. Because the goal ultimately with your kid is connection, right? I mean, who doesn't want their kid to feel safe, known, loved, seen, secured? So it isn't necessarily that communication is the number one priority with your kid, though it's crucial, but connection with your kid is the number one priority. Because when you're connected, you're also bonded emotionally, which has a stronger impact on how well and effectively you communicate differently. And each age group's different on how they connect. For example, like zero to three, one of the best ways a parent can connect with their kid is skin to skin contact. I'm sure y'all remember that when you had little kids. Um, and over the years, it changes. Connection is an ongoing process. It's not just like a one time, okay, we're connected, now we're good. No, it's a continuous thing that we have to work at over time. Um, and one of the things that I've heard over the, I think five years of being in student ministry is parents, but also leaders saying, I'm unable to connect with my child. Personally, I think ability coincides with refusal. That often we refuse to connect because we're afraid of what could happen if we get rejected. And one thing that I've seen that if you're willing, connection can happen. I've seen it with adult leaders who are like, I've never been able to connect with this child, but when they actually are willing to connect, that connection happens. Because people ultimately, <coughs> want to be known, they want to be heard, they want to be seen. Students are the same way, your kids are the same way. You know, but with that in mind, you can't expect communication to be a fix-all or go-to for finding communication, I mean, for finding connection. That connection has to precede communication. So here, so we're gonna go through some really basic steps that are on your sh sheets in connecting and communicating with your kiddo. So the first one is lead by example. Guys, y'all are the parent, you're the leader in your home. Consider what example you're setting for your kids. Y'all are the first class y'all's kiddos take in connecting and communicating with other people. So how y'all lead will be what they see, what y'all model is what they see. Um, are you someone that you would like to connect with? Are you someone you would like to communicate with, guys? Um, are you trying to connect with people or are you just trying to communicate with them to get information? You know, kids learn a lot through what their parents model. See this especially even with middle schoolers. They love to repeat things they hear. They love to act like they see. A lot of y'all's parents are shaking heads because you're like, yeah, I said that word and now my kid won't stop saying it. Totally get that. Um, but are you the type of person that you want your kid to grow up to be? That's a really hard question. And then the second part is listening. I know that seems really simple, but if you're curious about what's going on in your kid's life 
asking direct questions may not be as effective as simply setting back and listening. Kids are more likely to open up when they're to their parents if they don't feel pressured to share information. And remember that even just like an offhanded comment about something that happened during their day is a way, is their way often of reaching out and you're likely to hear more if you stay open instead of asking prying questions. And with listening, there's really two types of listening. One is active listening. Y'all probably heard about that. It's listening actively to children so they feel heard and understood by using gestures like encouraging smiles, nodding heads, to show that you're engaged with what your child's sharing and really care. Get, and often with little kids, getting down on the same, getting down on the same eye level as them and speak, as they speak to you can help them feel safe and secure. And then the other way is reflective listening. And this is a great way to show to your kiddo that they're paying attention and care about what they have to say back is by acting like a mirror. It's repeating back to them what they say just using different words. For example, if your child says, hey, I'm not playing with Luke anymore, you can respond with, you're not playing with your friend anymore. Because this leaves room for your kids to express their emotions without judgment. You might be surprised on how much your kid has to save, say. Guys, I've used this a ton with middle school and high school students when they say, oh, I'm not hanging out with so-and-so anymore. I'm like, oh, you're not hanging out with friends anymore. And then they open up and start sharing why they're not in that friend group or what went on. And you're like, it's like the floodgates just open up when you ask those kind of questions. And then third, start with understanding. Here's a simple secret that will help you in everything you do with your kiddo, guys. No matter how hard it might be, try to start all your interactions with your, ki with your kiddo with understanding, even if you don't fully agree or even quite comprehend what they're talking about. Um, perfect example of this, you find your kid Snapchatting. I know this is probably more of an example for middle school and high schoolers, parents, but they're Snapchatting when they're supposed to be doing their homework. And it drives you crazy because you're thinking she's barely getting by chemistry and in school and she doesn't seem to care or understand that she needs to do her homework instead of Snapchatting her friends all night. But your teen on the other hand is thinking, I have to get on Snapchat and talk with Emma because if we don't make up for the fight we had in the hall today, all the other girls are gonna be against me. Everyone makes sense in the context of their story. Everyone makes sense in the context of their story. And often you and your child are living in two totally different realities. You know, and, and ask your child honestly, hey, why are you Snapchatting right now? Try to be understanding of that reality because you don't know everything that's going on at school and you probably won't understand it. But once you know what's going on, try saying something like, hey, I understand how difficult it is for you when you have a, when you have a fight with one of your friends. I was in middle school and high school as well. Also know that you need to pass this test tomorrow. School works your job. It's your responsibility to do it to the best of your abilities for the glory of God. Let's sit down and think of some good of a good way that you can manage your time tonight. You know, one of the things I recommend when parents ask me is just like, hey, say something like that, but try not to say, I understand, but because that but will automatically turn it into a turn them into a defensive posture, which will simply honestly with students disqualify what you just said. But if you start from a place of understanding and try to put yourself in your child's shoes first before telling them what they need to t change. 
and I found out that this often tends to open up kids' ears. Instead of feeling like they have to defend themselves against you, they actually listen. I could share with y'all story after story on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning where I've had similar conversations with kids about this. We're just asking them, you know, just really just honestly understanding, starting with empathy and understanding. It seems these are really basic things I know, but it's often the basic things that we just need to be repeated instead of trying to learn new things. And then the next part, and it's on y'all's sheet as well, explain and validate feelings. It's our tendency to try to solve our, our kids' problems. Most of us wanna be fixers. I'm a fixer. I'm just like, okay, here's three steps, go for it, get on with your life. But often, we just need to just honestly explain and validate their feelings. To not downplay dis their disappointments, but saying something like, you know, when they have their first breakup, saying like, well, that boy wasn't even, they weren't right for you anyway, can feel dismissive. Instead, show kids that you understand and empathize. We've all probably been broken up with one time in our life. Um, and by saying something like, wow, that sounds really difficult. And then the, and then the next thing, ask honest but not loaded questions. You know, ask your student, ask your kiddo, your teen for their ideas and be collaborative. Let them see that you believe in them and that you're not mad at them for them struggling in their life. They're kids, they're learning. And when you let them see that you have faith in their abilities they have the, and they have the space to work it out on their own, they will begin to really see that you have true confidence in them. That don't ask loaded questions that put your child on the defensive questions such as like, hey, why can't you get up on time? You wake up every morning at 7.15, school starts at 7.15, what's going on? What's wrong with you? We don't like being asked those questions as adults, do we? They lead to conflict. Instead, trying to open the conversation with something like, hey, Isaac, do you have any ideas of how you might get up on time? When you do this, it feels like their choice and their idea. They say they don't know, offer a few of your own and ask which one would work best for them. You know, let them know that it's his problem to solve, that his problems are his to solve. Don't step into his box. You know, give them the opportunity the opportunity to solve their own problems. And be sure to know, hey, you're there to help them figure out solutions, to consult with them, and, but also be sure to let them deal with the natural consequences of, his, of their behavior. Owning the problem means owning the consequences because your ultimate goal is to help your kid think for themselves, right? That thinking for himself will in turn help him feel like he has a little bit control over their world. And the listen open to what he has to say and ask him to think critically about each choice. What will work and what will be problematic about each decision? What would be the natural consequences of each choice and he would feel about dealing with that? You know guys, I saw for example, Luke, you came to summer camp with us with middle school ministry. You were the perfect example of this with students. So we have one student that wanted to go to the pool and you, you help them find the solution that, hey, probably going to the pool 30 minutes before dinner when it takes 15 minutes to get to the pool, it's not the best decision but you let the student figure that out. Granted, you had to pick the kid out of the pool to get him back to the, you know, to get him out of the pool in order to get to dinner on time, but you let him also suffer the consequences of it. So, yeah, it was one of my favorite moments at camp. Um, and then lastly, guys, be observant. It's normal for kids to go through some changes as they mature. Pay attention if you notice changes to their mood, behavior, energy level, appetite, likewise, 
take note that they stop wanting to do things that make that they use that they that used to make them happy or if you notice them starting to isolate really if i could boil all this down to all this down to kind of three words it would be listen learn and relate listen to your kid listen to what's going on in their life listen to what they're saying but listen what they're really actually communicating to you because a lot of times their words will be communicating something totally different learn what they're going through and then relate to them that those three words were given to me by a mentor when i first started in ministry five plus years ago and i still repeat them till this day so guys as y'all dismiss to your groups i'm going to pray for y'all and y'all have about 20 ish 30 minutes in groups so let's pray god thank you for today lord um on a hard day like this thank you that you're still good that you're still on your throne that you're still in control that you are holy that you are kind that you're gracious lord um i ask that you go before us in our small group time that you would let it be fruitful that conversations would be based around you and your truth we love you lord pray all things in your name amen Thanks for listening to the Parent Gathering Podcast. We invite you to join us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in room 215, where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents. For more information about Living Hope Next Gen Ministries, go to livehopeful.com.